We continue our coverage of the 2013 NBA Draft. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com, and the Warriors don't have a draft pick in this year's draft, but uh, that could change on draft night. And so to help us break down some of the players who may be coming in from overseas, Fran Frischilla, a longtime uh, college basketball coach in Manhattan, St. John's, and the University of New Mexico, and of course has been working with the ESPN and covering the draft. And Fran, uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, I was kind of curious as how you ended up with the niche of, of uh, <laughs> being the guy who covers the foreign players. Good question, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a great passion for the game uh, at every level. And uh, I, I guess it started, uh, aside from being a junkie my whole life, I think it started when I coached a youngster at Manhattan from, from Spain. And then prior to his senior year, we took, we took our team to Spain it was my first real taste of international hoops. Uh, since then, I've been invited to speak in 10 or 11 countries to do clinics. Um, and when I got to ESPN in 2002, the, uh, the people who were running the NBA draft said, hey, you've got a little bit of experience with this. Would you like to help us out on the, on the international side? And, and just coincidentally, at the same time, being here in Dallas, Donnie Nelson of the Mavericks, uh, started a Reebok Euro Camp, which is essentially the international version of the NBA Combine in Chicago. Uh, Donnie uh, asked me to work it. I did. And it got to the point, Tim, where I'm obsessed with international hoops now. Most of the guys that are in the NBA uh, internationally, I've had a chance to coach at the camp. Guys like Nicholas Batum and Goran Dragic, Serge Ibaka, so I found my niche, and um, I really, really like uh, you know watching hoops of all kind, but particularly fond of the way they play internationally. From a coaching standpoint and from an analysis standpoint, how do you translate uh, how they play, say, in the, the EuroLeague as opposed to maybe how they could play in the NBA? I mean, how do you, how do you take that, that skill set they have overseas yep. and try to apply it to the NBA? Well, it's a great question. It really is. And I think early on in this whole process, uh, teams struggled with that. We saw some major busts that were on the international scene. You know, after Dirk Nowitzki and Pau, got, Pau Gasol got over here, um, everybody was looking for the next Dirk or Pau, and that's just not realistic. Uh, teams have put way more resources into international scouting than ever before. And I think just through trial and error, we now understand that, for example, and I've used this example before, if the NBA is the major leagues, then EuroLeague competition at its highest level is like AAA in baseball. And college basketball, quite frankly, would be like AA. So you try to, if a guy is playing well in EuroLeague and he's a young player, there's a very good chance his skills are going to translate to the NBA level. So it's taken a while to figure that out. I'll just remind you that Ricky Rubio averaged four points a game in his last year in Barcelona, and Brandon Jennings never got off the bench really very much for his Italian team, and yet these two guys have become you know more than, more than adequate NBA players, needless to say. So it's a trial and error process, I think, on the part of clubs that's taken a good decade or so to kind of try to figure out. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to... Uh... To look at it's just like drafting uh, kids out of college in the sense where you know you, you can't really look inside their heart and figure them out and and uh, yep. you know there are certain things you can look for. Uh, one of the guys that that totally fooled me 
was when the Warriors traded and they picked up this kid, Nicholas uh, Skidishvili, who had been drafted, I believe, yeah. by Denver very high. <laughs> if you yeah. watched him work out before a game or at practice and looked at his fundamentals, and just, you would go, wow, look at this guy. He's, he can, can handle, yeah. he can shoot a little bit. But when you put him in a game, he would just disappear. You wouldn't even see him out right. there. It, it's, well, he it's, was the it, ca- yeah, he was the cautionary tale because even in Italy at Benetton in, in, in Treviso, he wasn't playing very much. It just so happened that uh, he was a workout warrior. He was young. You know, there was a great deal of buzz about him. But uh, it's different now because there are very few guys like him where teams will take a player like him that hasn't proven himself, you know, internationally. And, in fact, this year there is one guy, uh, the young man from Greece, uh, Adeta Kunbo, who's only 18 years old and a number of teams. In fact, virtually every team was in northern Italy this past week uh, because while the Euro camp was going on, the Greek under-20 team was playing, and he's one of those guys that doesn't have a lot of high-level international experience that's likely to be a first-rounder. But everybody else who I think will be drafted in the first round is, is a proven player in Europe. So that doesn't necessarily mean they'll, they'll, they'll be great NBA players, but at least you have somewhat of a track record. Skidish really had none at that time. So you, you started to uh, reference uh, one of the players who's one of the top prospects coming over from overseas. So why don't we get, get at it and uh, tell us who we should look for on draft night. Well, I think there's five guys that are going to be first-round picks this year, uh, in my opinion, if they all stay in, and uh, I think they will. And that would be Dennis Schroeder, a guard from Germany, Giannis Adetokounmpo, young man I mentioned, who's 18 years old, 6'9", Sergei Karasev, a 6'7", wing player from Russia, uh, who's 19 and playing at a very high level right now in, in European basketball, Rudy Gobert, a 7-footer from France, uh, with a lot of potential, 7-5 wingspan. And then Lucas Nogueira, another uh, long, lang- lengthy uh, youngster who's a Brazilian playing in Spain. Those five guys are likely to all be first-round picks. With the two guys going highest, I believe, Tim, point guard Dennis Schroeder from Germany and the 6-9 wing player from Greece, uh, Adeta Kunbo, who at 18, I think, and I got to see him twice this past week, reminds me of a high school All-American. I think he would have been a top-five player in the high school class of 2013. But that doesn't necessarily translate to being ready for the NBA. Do you see a, a scenario where, say, a team takes a guy like that and then yep. says, we're just going to take, we're going to assign one of our player development coaches and you, and we want you to go down to the D-League, don't even think about the NBA this year, and just go down and play and practice every day, and, and we'll see you next year. Could a team ever have the luxury of doing that? Well, I think so. I think because more and more uh, uh, NBA teams, as you know, are, are aligning themselves with uh, D-League teams, and there's, uh, you know, becoming more of a farm system right now. Uh, a number of teams have their own D-League teams, as you know. But I have a feeling with some of these guys, for example, Noguera and, and, and Adeta Kunbo, that they're likely to be drafted in the first round. And depending on a team's salary cap, their, the player's particular uh, arc of development, I think it's more likely right now that you'll see them stay in Europe where they're comfortable, where they can get a lot of playing time and, and gain that experience before they come over 
And then, and then even then, some of these young guys, like Adetokumbo and Nogueira, could be on rosters and still play some D-League basketball, just go back and forth. So I think that's very viable. Um, and, and really, I don't see anybody in this draft internationally that's going to really have a dramatic impact on an NBA team next year anyway. What, uh, what makes Schroeder uh, such a candidate for the NBA? Well, he's a, he's a young man who's got terrific athleticism. Uh, he really does play like Rajon Rondo, and I know that comparison's been made because he's got a uh, 6'7 wingspan. He's excellent on the ball defender, very, very fast, crafty, gets into the paint, makes reasonably good decisions, and actually at this stage of his career is a much better outside shooter. Um, his success in the Hoop Summit, uh, about a month and a half ago in Portland, I think uh, took some NBA teams by surprise. But keep in mind, as good as the uh, talent level was, uh, these were still high school players he was going against. So from that standpoint, he may be the most ready of the internationals to help a team. I, I see him likely going somewhere before 20. But the comparisons to Rondo are fair. Now, whether he ever gets to that level of player that Rondo has become, you know, that's that's dicey, obviously. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting, and 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 I do it too. You know, I'm I, I've been calling Warrior <laughs> games for a long time. Where you you compare a guy, you have to find somebody to compare him to. You know, you can't just come in and be his own guy. Oh, you got, we have to compare the guys. It's hard, I think, too, because. Once you, once you, once somebody says that, always oh, like a Rondo, and then all of a yeah, sudden now he has yeah. to live up to being Rajon Rondo, and that's hard to do. Right, right, and I think the big thing we all do it. I mean, I did it in recruiting. I, I do it now when I, you know, when I look at players uh, in terms of getting ready for the draft. Teams do it. We do look for the comparison because the, if the comparison's already been, been successful in the league, then we're trying to look at a player and say, hey, if he is similar to the to to Rondo, then there's a good chance that he'll be successful and maybe not at that level obviously but certainly some physical attributes obviously are going to translate there's a one other player I wanted to ask you about who I uh, again in and I only know just from you know reading some of the draft blogs and and uh, looking at him and is a, a guy I've seen his name come up a couple of times Dario Saric from Croatia yes yes now he's just pulled out this past week so oh, he did. Okay. 19. The next time we'll see his name, uh, you know, in, in conjunction with the NBA draft, will be next year. He uh, he's a guy that excited some people. I particularly wasn't as high on him as some others, uh, and obviously a lot of NBA teams felt that way because his deal was, if he didn't get a promise in the lottery, then he was going to go back to Croatia for another year. That's exactly what he's decided to do. He's a six-nine kind of point-forward type, uh, not a great athlete, but a very astute passer. I think he's got physical limitations that will hurt him at, in the NBA. But he's decided to go back. He's going to pull his name out. And unless something dramatically changes between now and the pullout date on the 17th, we'll next start talking about him next spring. Do you ever see a time where, whether it be – an extension of a D League or even a an NBA franchise. You know, David Stern has kind of hinted at this at you know various press conferences and so on and so forth. But do you think it's ever plausible to have uh, some sort of NBA presence uh, overseas in Europe? 
I don't think at this at this stage, Tim. I don't. But make no mistake about it. The, the basketball world's drawn drawn closer and closer, and, and you know as well as I do, the NBA has reached out, and whether it's playing exhibition games in Europe and and elsewhere around the world, for that matter. Uh, and now uh, the NBA embracing the FIBA World Championships in the odd two years away from the Olympics. Next one coming up in 14 in Spain. You know, the NBA is certainly uh, quite uh, cognizant of how basketball has grown around the world. Now, to, to see a team, unless they bring the Concord back, I, I have a hard time seeing that we'd ever see a, a lot of interaction, at least during the regular season. Final question for you. Do you ever want to get back into coaching? You have an outstanding <laughs> record in the collegiate yep. ranks of Manhattan, St. John's, and New Mexico. I found my niche. I really did. I just put through two through two guys through high school. My two sons, both will be playing Division One next year. Nice. I where, doubt, where at? I where doubt, at? Well, J- James is a junior at Oklahoma, and Matt will be a freshman next year for Tommy Amaker at Harvard. So, oh, outstanding. I, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would have happened quite honestly without me being around them the last uh, ten or so years. And, and ESPN's afforded me the opportunity to have some more free time in the summer than a lot of my coaching colleagues. And uh, I'd never say never, but I have the ideal job. And uh, you know how easy broadcasting is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, is as uh, my friend Gary St. Jean, who does some of our postgame uh, yep. work on the television side, he says, uh, you know, the best thing about the job is I go home, I'm undefeated. <laughs> and I say, I don't have I say to... that quite often. And the other one I say is that when my two friends, whether it's Rick Barnes and Bill Self, are coming down the wire of a very, very close game, the only thing on my mind is I hope Outback is open till ten. <laughs> so that's, that's very my nice. Stress. That's my stress level right now, Tim. No, that's outstanding. Then, 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 stay where you are. Then, there's no, it won't get any better than that. Hey, I, I, we really appreciate your time. It's uh, great to finally get a chance to uh, chat with you, and uh, hopefully, uh, somewhere along the way, when you're not overseas, maybe we'll see you out at a Warriors game. You know, I did one game a couple Christmases ago for ESPN. I remember that. And, uh, I, I didn't and get a I chance raved, to talk to you. I raved about your great fans, and now they have a lot to uh, a lot to cheer about. So it's fun watching the Warriors from a distance. Thanks, Coach. You got it, Tim. My thanks to Fran Frischilla. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com. And by the way, if you didn't know, uh, Coach Frischilla's record at Manhattan was 86 and 34, 35 and 24 at St. John's, and 55 and 41 at New Mexico. He, his overall collegiate record: 176 wins and 99 losses. He comes with great credentials. Against our coverage of the 2013 NBA Draft here on Warriors.com.